Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com. From Texas Public Radio, this is Texas Matters, a weekly radio news magazine that looks at the issues, events, and people in the Lone Star State. Today on Texas Matters, the buoys are back. In fact, they never left. What's happening with the legal battle over the border barrier? How to get paid for tweeting about Ken Paxton, but it could be illegal. And Mark Gonzalez, the Corpus Christi Progressive DA, who is now running for Senate. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. This week, a federal judge based in Austin issued a ruling that said the Governor Greg Abbott border buoys needed to come out of the Rio Grande. The Wednesday released ruling laid out that Abbott's arguments didn't hold river water. Texas is not being invaded. The Rio Grande is a navigable waterway, and the buoys and its anchoring system is a hazard. But the next day, the conservative Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a stay in Abbott's favor, and the buoys can stay in the middle of the International River, at least for now. Was this just pure legal procedure or partisan politics? To break down the latest twist in the case, U.S. v. Abbott, I called on Carl Tobias, the Williams Chair in Law at the University of Richmond School of Law. The governor appealed immediately because I think they, he and his counsel could see from Judge Ezra's handling of the dispute up to that point that he was likely to rule against Texas. So he immediately appealed and asked for a stay, from what I can understand. But the stay that has come from the three judges is only an administrative stay. And what that does is just maintain the status quo before Judge Ezra ordered the governor to remove the buoys or put them on the bank or near the bank and out of the middle of the Rio Grande. So that's where we are. It is not a ruling on the stay of the preliminary injunction that Judge Ezra issued. And so that is yet to come. So this just is a short term of stay. And I believe that it will go to what's called a motions panel in the Fifth Circuit, ultimately. And that group of three judges, randomly drawn and I think rotating every month, will make a decision on the governor's request for staying the preliminary injunction. So I know it's complicated in terms of the procedure, but we're not very far along at this point. And so we're just going to wait and see, I think, what the motions panel does with the request for the stay of the preliminary injunction. Now, Texas immediately filed that appeal, as you mentioned. I would have thought, and I don't know anything, I'm just a dumb guy who lives down the street, that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals would have asked the federal government to file a, some sort of response. They still had over a week before the deadline to remove the buoys. They could have said, okay, feds, you have till Monday. Give me something, and then we'll make a quick judgment. We may see that yet. I think the next step is for the judges to inform the litigants what kind of materials they want 
Will it be just a paper submission? Will it be any kind of argument before the motions panel? That's not clear yet. The order didn't say anything about that. It just imposed this administrative state, which is neutral on those issues. So I think probably there'll be something from the court soon from those three judges saying, here's what we'd like to see. Because I assume they have something from the state, but they may not have anything from the federal government. But of course, they want to hear from the federal government its response to whatever the argument is from the state. Now, the argument that the Abbott's team, his, his lawyers put forth, arguing that having these buoys in place, removing them would be a, an immediate danger, it's on its face is ridiculous. The f- fact that this 1,000-foot-long boom of buoys in the middle of a Rio Grande is holding back the hordes of cartels who want to invade Texas, and that's their word, is totally ridiculous. That that buoy is doing nothing. Anyone can easily get around it. How is it that is the immediate harm that we have to be concerned about and not the fact that the longer the buoys are in the water, that is a hazard to people because crossing the river, there are people who do cross the river. There are people who do boat through the river, use it for recreation for one thing or another. And it's also causing harm to our relationship with Mexico, which is of is high importance. I think Judge Ezra, who's a well-respected judge and has served for a long time in Hawaii and then has been very helpful moving the dockets that are very crowded in Texas. He's experienced, and I think he heard all of those arguments and rejected a number that Texas made. But we'll see what happens in the Fifth Circuit, at least on the request for a stay. The three-judge panel may well decide that Judge Ezra had it right uh, and then uh, go forward from there. Uh, But we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that the motions panel tries to resolve the dispute over whether there should be a stay or not. And then I think matters will go forward and probably it'll go back to Judge Ezra for some kind of fuller rendition of a trial and a a more permanent injunction possibly from his court. And then again, another appeal. And this one will be more formal with briefing and argument before the Fifth Circuit. So that could be six months to a year out. So we'll just have to see. But in the short term, be watching whatever the motions panel does in terms of of where the case is now. I would think that Abbott would not want to go back to Judge Ezra because in the order granting the plaintiff's motion for the preliminary injunction, it was blistering, taking apart the argument that uh, Abbott had put forth, saying basically it was contradictory, it was baffling, it it just really um, didn't hold up to him. It was a compelling 47-page order issued by the judge, and he heard what factual assertions were made, and legal assertions from both sides, and then tried to apply the law. But you're right, pretty flatly rejected the invasion idea and most of the other arguments made by the governor and his team. But the Fifth Circuit doesn't always 
rule in favor of what district judge does in the three states of the Fifth Circuit. I assume the governor will appeal. He's already said, I think, that he intends to go to the U.S. Supreme Court on this issue. So it's not likely to be over anytime soon. I just want to make a point highlighting this one area that Judge Edra had in his ruling, saying that Abbott has his argument that those buoys are important to prevent the importation of fentanyl into the United States. And it, fentanyl is a terrible narcotic. It's killing young people. We got to do everything we can to prevent that. But the judge points out that it's these drugs are coming through the ports of entry. They're not coming through the border being carried by migrants. These things are, they're conflating two separate issues, and he makes that clear. That's what is great about having a very experienced judge like Judge Ezra, who tries to apply the law to the facts and sorts through the various arguments made by the parties as expeditiously and fairly as he can. And I think that's what he's tried to do here. And so we'll see how that plays out in the Fifth Circuit and then perhaps back to Judge Ezra and then up again through the system. But it may not be very fast in terms of resolution. And there are likely some hurdles that both sides face. Stay tuned. Carl Tobias is the Williams Chair in Law at the University of Richmond School of Law. Tweeting for dollars, who knew it's a thing, especially when you're willing to tweet nice things about our beleaguered, suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton, who this week was facing a Senate impeachment trial. Texas Monthly writer Russell Gold uncovered the dark secrets of the mercenary political influencers online when he became one. You know, about a week ago, I came across a, a Google sign-up sheet, the, the same kind of sheet that, you know, we all do to sign up to bring snacks to youth soccer games, but this one was to tweet out pro-Paxton uh, messages on Twitter. And yeah, I, I just sort of looked at it and I thought, well, well this would be interesting. I wonder if, if I could actually get paid to do this. So it's an opportunity to really understand and explore kind of this new emerging, and frankly, a little bit seedy and obscure side of politics. So I tweeted two things out. Um, neither of them were particularly pro or anti-Paxton. They just we're talking about the upcoming impeachment trial. And uh, lo and behold, a few days later, I got paid $100. Wow. It surprised me too. I thought that was the last I was going to hear of it. I thought they were going to take a look at my tweets and say, oh, you know, this is Russell Gold from Texas Monthly. And, you know, these aren't tweets that are saying anything positive about Ken Paxton, our embattled and impeached attorney general. But uh, the money came through. Who signed the checks? Well, that was what was interesting. They paid you through a platform code called Lumanu. And when I got it, I was notified when I went on to Lumanu to claim my money, the money came from Candace Parscale and Influencible. Now, Candace Parscale is married to Brad Parscale. Some people might remember he ran Donald Trump's uh, digital campaign operations in 2016 and was briefly his campaign manager in 2020. He is very involved in uh, kind of all things digital and politics these days. And Influencible is a new uh, company that bills itself as finding in social media influencers to promote the anti-woke economy. So very kind of right-wing MAGA-oriented. Uh, uh, and they say that they will get people to tweet and post positive things about campaign officials or about your uh, a product, a commercial product. Is this Candace Parscale 
is this the wife of Brad Parscale? Is this the same person that uh, in Fort Lauderdale two years ago said that Brad was trying to kill himself and that he was beating her? I believe so, yes. You're referring to an incident, uh, right, in the fall of 2020, and the call came from his wife. So yeah, it's the same person. So apparently they mended ways. Yeah, well, we knew that. They mended ways. They recently moved to Midland, uh, Texas, uh, where um, they are. They kind of moved into a part of town, which is uh, where Tim Dunn, the uh, oil uh, billionaire who runs uh, one of the largest oil companies in the state, Crown Quest, uh, and is very politically active, has been very pro-Paxton himself, uh, where he lives, where his church is, and where a, a, a private school he founded. They're all within about two or three blocks of each other. He moved into that compound. It is interesting. It's also notable. I should mention a week ago, I reported on texasmonthly.com that uh, Brad Parscale, he, he's returned to his old advertising company and Tim Dunn has bought a 40% stake in that company. So they're they're clearly very allied. And we know that Tim Dunn, for instance, gave $150,000 campaign donation to Attorney General Ken, Ken Paxton uh, just a couple months ago. So we don't know exactly who signed the checks, who paid for the hundred dollars that ended up uh, coming to me, but uh, but it certainly seems to be flowing through the the Brad Parscale, Tim Dunn, uh, politi emerging political machine. You know, I, I should say I keep talking about making a hundred dollars. Uh, we donated that money to Feeding Texans, which is a great organization that helps people who uh, have food insecurity here in Texas. So it's not like I, uh, I ended up keeping the money. Just wanted to make that clear. We have a lot of laws, some laws, not a lot, about uh, campaign uh, advertising and disclosure. Was this a violation of anything? That's a great question. Uh, as I described in the article, you know, when I went and read through sort of the handbook of uh, political donations and paid political advertising, I kind of felt like, you know, I was trying to learn how to repair my model, my Tesla Model S by reading a manual on a 1972 Volkswagen Beetle. It just didn't seem to be have been updated uh, for this new world we're living in. I contacted the general counsel of the Texas Ethics Commission, and he basically said, look, we, we really don't have specific laws about pay to post uh, social media influencers. But in general, if you're being paid to promote a candidate, you need to say this is a paid political advertisement. So obviously the next question is, is there going to be an investigation into this? This I agree with you. This, this does seem to be a violation of, of Texas laws, which says if you're going to be paid to go and say, uh, you know, vote for Greg Abbott or, or vote for Ted Cruz, you need to make it clear that uh, that, that is a paid political advertisement. What has this experience taught you personally about what you see on a platform like X, formerly known as Twitter? Yeah, it, it scared me. It, it really, really scared me. When I went into this, you know, I thought this would be a lark. You know, hey, can we dupe uh, someone into actually paying for this? But I talked to uh, Sam Woolley, who is uh, at the University of Texas. He runs their um, he runs a lab that studies propaganda at the University of Texas. And he explained to me, and one of the questions I asked him was, why did I get paid? You know, it's not like I actually said anything really particularly uh, good about Ken Paxson. I basically said, hey, look at this article. Um, and he said, because you were generating engagement, you were a part of a human army of people tweeting in a way that was uh, fooling the computers 
and the algorithms to think that there were lots that there was lots of engagement and then they would push out messages about Ken Paxton. I was duped and I like to think of myself as a fairly sophisticated uh, you know media consumer and so the lesson I take away is that if I could sort of have misunderstood what was going on and what my role in all this was we're in a world of trouble where messages are just flying and and they're just flying around the internet in a way that that frankly is hard to keep up with and uh, it, it should be a cause of concern for anyone um who is thinking about the not just the future of our democracy but where our democracy is right now in 2023 any evidence that other people are doing this type of activity including uh from the other side of the party line absolutely uh, i did some you know i did some research and one of the things i learned was that this really goes back to um, Michael Bloomberg, when he ran for president, what, about 10 years ago now, uh, he was the first person, uh, you know, his campaign was the first to pay influencers and to try to use this. Uh, since then, the Democrats have been very uh, engaged with it. Uh, and, and so we're, we're seeing both sides of the aisle spending more and more money on these armies of influencers. And look, we're not talking about someone with a million followers. We're not talking about Kim Kardashian. They're willing to pay people with 1500 followers, someone who has real engagement with, with their audience. So this is clearly becoming a major part of our political system. And uh, I, I wanted just to call attention to the fact that the rules we have around it and our understanding of how it works are woefully lagging. And right now, uh, our political discourse is essentially being paid for uh, in ways we don't fully understand. Russell Gold is a writer for Texas Monthly. His latest article is My Brief Career as a Paid Pro-Paxton Propagandist. The now former Nueces County District Attorney Mark Gonzalez is now running for the Democratic nomination for Senate. He's joining a crowded field looking for a chance to take on Republican Ted Cruz in 2024. Gonzalez is known for being the, quote, Mexican biker lawyer covered in tattoos. But the self-described progressive is known as the DA that MAGA conservatives want to throw out of office. They say that he's too soft on crime. I asked Gonzalez about that. I think that's the the rap that we guys, that we get. I could tell you the hope from what we do here in Oasis County and what I do, it could be the furthest of the truth. We're smart on crime. We want people who... Uh, make a mistake to learn from it and move on. I'm probably one of the only district attorneys in, throughout the state of Texas that has my own interdiction unit. We had a unit that would actually is out there raiding drug houses, stopping cars, traveling north and south, both carrying currency and narcotics. We had one of the biggest fentanyl busts in the history of, of the United States. And that was all done with someone who's a progressive. And I, I think people want to say that, but the reality is we're being smart on crime. Are we prosecuting marijuana? Probably not because the way the law is written, uh, but we're out there uh, taking fentanyl off the streets and currency off the street that belongs to cartels. Um, and so it's, you know, I don't know if it's funny uh, or just strange to me that when they label us as, or as me as a progressive or not strong on, on crime. But a local conservative activist working with a group, Citizens Defending Freedom, filed a petition to have you removed from office. This Citizens Defending Freedom, it's Florida-based operation, very MAGA. They're like the pronoun police, bathrooms, book, yeah. ban book banning. That that's that's what they're all about. For sure. So why are they coming after you? 
I think I'm, I'm honestly probably a test case for some of the more um, progressive or smart on crime district attorneys in, in urban areas. You have other DAs throughout the state of Texas. And I think that I was probably their first test case, maybe because I'm covered in tattoos and have a not guilty across my chest, maybe because I'm a biker guy or I couldn't tell you, but why they picked me first. But I anticipate um, that I'm not the last one. I think they're going to file these petitions on Jose Garza and, and Austin and, and Travis County. I think they're going to file it against Joe Gonzalez and Bear County, San Antonio, John Crusoe and Dallas, Ryan Middleton. They're going to they're continue to do this and see how it's going. And now with the passing of SB 20, now I, I anticipate that our democracy will probably be attacked even more. SB 20 was the recently passed law that uh, took away some of the discretion that district attorneys have. And it's not really just discretion, right? Because I think we will always have our discretion because how can you not? Discretion starts when an officer makes the initial contact with you. Is he going to give you every single violation, a citation for every single violation? You ran a stop sign. You didn't have a seatbelt on. You didn't have a registration. I bet you had a marijuana and you got a DWI. How many does he give you? What's enough, right? So officers exercise discretion every day. And in the criminal justice system, everybody exercises discretion. And so I don't see DA being able to do their job without having that discretion. What they have made illegal, though, is when you create a blanket policy saying, I will never, ever prosecute this type of case. And honestly, I don't think any of us have ever done that, nor would we. Everybody has to look at a case, examine those facts, and apply them to the law. And sometimes when you examine those facts and apply them a certain way, some individuals may be worthy of a second chance. Some may individuals may be worthy of being sent away to prison. And so I think it's just making a statement where you can't have a blanket policy regarding any type of law that you won't enforce. They're saying that you and other district attorneys in Texas, the progressives, said that they would never pursue a abortion case. I could tell you that ideally, I, I would never want to be involved in a in what a woman does with her body and what she does between her and her medical care provider, right? I don't think that's my space and the space that I want to be in. I have four daughters and I don't believe that I should be able to tell them what they should do with their bodies, nor should I feel like the state led or anybody up there should have that power as well. And the reality is when we all signed on to that letter, Roe v. Wade wasn't what it was today. That was prior to that. And the other thing that I would like to highlight is that not one case has ever been brought in my jurisdiction where that's even been an option or is asking for us to do this or that. Um, and, and I don't anticipate that actually even happening. And so it may just be a political uh, um, anchoring or something to where that's something that people are going to want to talk about. But it's not, it, it isn't happening and it hasn't happened and I don't anticipate it happening. But I do feel personally, that I should not be involved in what women do with their bodies between the, them and their healthcare provider. So this Colby Wiltsey, Corpus Christi conservative activist with this group saying that they, they filed a, a, a petition alleging that you were being incompetent, official misconduct, failure to give bond, and there is a trial, was a trial, it still may be going forward, to remove you from sure. office in December. Now, we have no recall or whatever for a district attorney in Texas. So this is a way to remove people from office in, in the county level. 
and they brought it to you. How often? I've never heard of this being used before. Is this something that is new or rare? Or how does this happen? Actually, very rare. I think there may be two or three other circumstances where this kind of um, was actually utilized. And one was actually in El Paso not too long ago on the district attorney over there. And so I think that they're trying to use a way to circumvent the will of the people. I was elected not once but twice in a Republican-held jurisdiction. And so it's telling when you have people that vote you in, I think that that's the way people should get out of office. They vote you out. And for me, I wasn't running again. And like I said, I was wanting to fade away until sometimes you just, you, you got to stand up, not just for yourself, but for your county and even for your state. And that's where I'm at, to be honest. I'm just pretty mad and pretty pissed off. So it would have been a jury trial to remove you from office? Sure. It, Yes, sir. That's correct. There would have been 12 jurors uh, that would have decided the fate of what over 51,000 people um, put into office. And did you feel like it would have been difficult to win that case? That you, Did you feel like you would have lost? I, I've been a trial lawyer for a very long time, and I can tell you that um, I've tried over hundreds of cases, and you never know what's going to happen at trial. And I can tell you that a, a fool only represents himself. And my lawyers were very confident. They still want to go forward with the case. They're like, you know what? We can still do this case. But the county attorney still chiefs to do. And we wanted, we have a hearing, I believe, next Tuesday. And they asked the court for a dismissal on the grounds that obviously they feel and argue that uh, it isn't appropriate what they're doing and, and it doesn't meet the whatever legal qualifications. And so they're hoping to get a ruling on that either way. But either way, they would still like to go to trial, to be honest with you, and show that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was exercising my discretion. And even if you may not like my style, I, I wasn't doing anything that was outside the, the norm and the scope of what discretion is. You, as you said before, you have won in Nueces County twice. Last time around, Trump won that county by 6%, yet you still managed to come out on top. A progressive district attorney, a red county in Texas, you managed to win over Republicans to come over and vote for you. And so I'm, I know everyone wants to know how you did that. I don't know, man. For whatever reason, I think even Republicans identify with me. I'm just a regular guy from Texas who likes to do Texas stuff, to be honest with you. And I think that whether you're Republican or Democrat, you see, you see that. And I think that maybe some conservatives or Republicans just say, I would rather have this than a little more Texas than a little less than Texas, to be honest with you. And I think that's why I'm looking at this upcoming adventure endeavor race that we're entering into, I think that may give me the upper leg or that little head start that, that I might need. And you had to resign to run. That's the law in Texas. You had to resign from the district attorney. And you felt like, let's just get out of this mess and move on to this different arena, going for the to challenge eventually Ted Cruz, if you're successful in the Democratic nomination. What is it about Ted Cruz that you think needs to um, be adjusted for Texas? I think everything about Ted Cruz needs to be adjusted, to be honest with you. That's a hard question because, you know, it starts out when, when you can't defend your 
take it outside of his his policies and what he votes for or what he doesn't vote for that hurt detectives. The fact that when someone I'm married, if you, if, if, if you have something not nice to say about my wife, we're going to probably have an issue. And I can tell you that I was here in Texas when that freeze came and we were trying to do the best we can while someone just skips town. And to me, I don't think anyone should be okay with that. And I think most Texans aren't okay with that. You, you can say whatever you want to say and you can identify with whatever party that you identify with. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's going to be able to justify that. And so I just think that there are so many things that he goes against, uh, uses the constitution as a leg to stand on, but it is against it. Look what happened January the 6th. But it's just many things that show that he's probably not the right person to be representing the whole state of Texas. He represents himself. He represents Ted Cruz. Mark Gonzalez recently resigned as the district attorney for Nueces County Corpus Christi. He's now a candidate for the Democratic nomination for Senate. That's it for this edition of Texas Matters. Thanks for listening. I'm David Martin Davies. You can email us at texasmatters at tpr.org. You can listen to past episodes of Texas Matters on our website at tpr.org. And you can download and subscribe to us wherever you get great podcasts. And tune in again next week for another edition of Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com.